Insurance podcast. Today we're discussing the FCA's focus on the on the culture of insurance firms. I'm Caroline Hunter-Yates, one of our contentious regulatory partners, and I'm joined today by Ollie Jones, one of my employment partners, and Thomas Marsh, one of our contentious regulatory specialists. Now, firm culture is and has been a key focus for the FCA for a number of years now, and the FCA, as we know, sees poor culture as a key root cause of recent major conduct failings, and therefore a potential source of harm for consumers, market participants, market employees, and uh, markets themselves. And it's apparent from recent years that the FCA has intensified its focus on the culture insurance firms. I mean, I suppose, Ollie, turning to you, I mean, Culture is a very broad term, so can you sort of give some shape to how the FCA thinks about it? I I can certainly try, yes. So the FCA defines culture as the habitual mindsets and behaviours that characterise an organisation, but its focus is not on assessing mindsets and behaviours directly, but on the drivers of culture. So what the FCA says is it believes those key drivers are purpose, leadership, the approach to rewarding and managing people, and lastly, governance. And through its supervision of the um, through its supervision, the, the FCA has been seeking to determine how effective each of those drivers are in reducing potential harm to customers and others. Okay, so we, I've got to get those four concepts in my head. Can you expand a little bit on what each of those drivers actually means? Yes, of course. So taking each of those in turn, the FCA sees a firm's purpose as a description of its business model and how it makes money. The firm's purpose should then drive the decisions that are made at all levels of the firm. And in the FCA's view, a poorly expressed purpose can lead to negative outcomes for customers. In terms of leadership, this is about the tone from the top and how effectively that tone cascades through the rest of the the firm or the organisation. The approach to rewarding and managing people is concerned with the types of behaviour that are incentivised and disincentivised within a firm. And this includes not only remuneration, but other considerations, so progression, promotion, recruitment, diversity and inclusion that I'm going to come on to talk about, and a speak-up culture. And then lastly, with governance, governance is about how decisions are made within a firm and the structures that are put in place around decision-making. Central to this is the senior managers and certification regime, which was extended to insurers back in December 2018. And the FCA sees that regime as a means of improving culture within firms by increasing accountability. And I suppose just to remind everybody, there's been three dear CEO letters to insurers over the past couple of years from the FCA that specifically address culture. And I mean, those letters do a couple of things. I mean, they firstly, I suppose, reiterate the FCA's framework for considering the culture of firms. But secondly, they also do identify the FCA's areas of concern um, regarding culture, you know, within the insurance industry today. And I suppose, you know, kind of of all the regulated areas, one might say that this has a a particular history to it in terms of culture that um, perhaps uh, firms are trying to, um, to address. Um, I mean, Tom, if I can pass over to you, can you just sort of run us through the areas of concern that the FCA has identified? Yeah, of course. So um, the FCA has identified four primary primary areas of concern relating to the insurance industry. Um, and those are uh, ineffective governance, a lack of diversity and inclusion within the industry, firms handling of non-financial misconduct, and um, a general failure to embrace the FCA's key messages on purpose. And I suppose if you sort of think about it, the FCA's focus on culture is really about mitigating 
harm. Has the FCA linked any of those areas of concern to specific harm? Uh, yes, it has. Um, it said that ineffective governance can result in customers being sold unsuitable products and receiving poor claim outcomes. Um, the FCA has also specifically observed poor claim outcomes around business interruption insurance. It, it, I'll start that line again, sorry. Um, the FCA ha has also said that treatment of customers has suffered from firms failing to embrace its messages on purpose and culture. In other words, firms are not putting the interests of customers at the centre of their business models uh, or are not articulating pur purposes appropriately. And to pick up on a couple of areas um, of concern, I, I suppose, Ollie, what has the FCA said specifically about um, diversity and inclusion and non-financial misconduct in the insurance industry? So the FCA is very concerned that although firms appear focused on attracting diverse talent, that less work is being done to build what they, they frame as an inclusive environment. And it's also been said that diversity efforts in the insurance industry to date have focused very much on gender diversity, but not the many other forms of diversity that firms need to engage with. So as a result, the FCA thinks that the insurance industry has some way to go before it becomes a diverse and inclusive sector. And it considers that firms should do more to attract diverse talent to the industry and to evolve their internal cultures to help drive a strategy which produces fair outcomes for customers. Interestingly, the FCA said earlier this year that it's also considering a sixth conduct question. And you might remember that there's five current conduct questions that are designed to help focus the minds of, of senior managers on conduct risk. And if they include a sixth question, it's likely to be along the lines of, is your management team diverse enough to provide adequate challenge? And do you create the right environment in which people of all backgrounds can speak up? I think that will be, be food for thought for many insurance companies if, if that does happen. Then in terms of non-financial misconduct, that is misconduct by an individual that doesn't relate to financial matters, but it's like it's things like bullying or harassment or victimization and discrimination, all of which we've seen a big increase on um, in all sectors of financial services, but, but particularly within insurance in the last few years. And the FCA believes that how a firm handles non-financial misconduct is indicative of that firm's culture. So their expectations and certainly their expectations when it comes to senior managers are that those individuals will take reasonable steps to address non-financial misconduct. And they've said that a failure to do so could lead to the regulator determining that that individual is no longer fit and proper. Yeah, which is obviously a serious place that no one wants to end up in. Um, I mean, it, it's quite a lot that I suppose the FCA is expecting firms um, to do. Is there anything sort of particular or granular perhaps that the FCA um, has set out to help firms with this? Yes, that, that there is. I mean, helpfully, the FCA, the PRA and the Bank of England came together early, earlier this year and they published a discussion paper in July that aims really to kick off this discussion around um, DNI in the insurance um, sector and the financial sector, uh, services sector more generally. And what they really want to do is help firms to accelerate the pace of meaningful change, as they call it, within that space. So the policy options that are being considered include uh, regular reporting of diversity data to the regulators, the use of targets for representation, measures to make senior leaders directly accountable for DNI in their firms, linking remuneration to DNI metrics, having a DNI policy, training on DNI and undertaking a diversity audit, 
and also the regulator's approach to non-financial misconduct and considering DNI and senior manager approvals and the assessment of threshold conditions. And I think really importantly, the regulators or, or, or certainly the, the entities I've just mentioned, and they recognize that DNI will look different for different firms and will not apply a one-size-fits-all approach to DNI. And the consultation on this discussion paper closed in September. We submitted a response on behalf of, of our client base who fed back to us via a roundtable that we held uh, earlier in that month. And the regulators are expected to publish detailed proposals for consultation in the first half of 2022. So very much watch this space, but I think this is a, a, quite an important development. Thanks, Ollie. I mean, I suppose also just to bring the contentious angle um, to life uh, as well. I mean, that there have been um, already uh, a number of uh, FCA final notices where cultural failings were found to be the root cause of certain problems. So one example would be the October 2018 um, FCA fine against Bluefin, um, the insurance underwriter, um, for failing to properly oversee a third party service provider which dealt with complaints handling. Um, and just to quote from it, what the FCA said was that through formal and informal communications, senior management promoted a culture that focused on compliance with Bluefin's business strategies rather than responding to customers' individual demands and needs and ensuring that customers were in a position to make fully informed decisions. Um, and that apparently had been escalated to senior management at the time by compliance with one member of compliance stating that, you know, initially when the strategy was launched with a positive message um, from senior management, that was all fine. But at branch level, it has to be recognised that the increased objectives create an incentive to move and perhaps for some branches to do so at the expense of TCF. I mean, just to finish off with another quick example, there was the 2014 final notice against HomeServe, and there the central issue was a failure to embed, uh, embed a robust culture with adequate focus on compliance and treating customers fairly. And again, this was another one where they found that there was um, uh, an incentivization um, over the volume of sales rather than the quality of sales and complaints handling uh, when you looked at the remuneration policy. And again, its senior management was um, insufficiently engaged with compliance matters. So uh, already a number of themes coming through. Um, Tom, if I can, we've obviously been focusing on um, the UK regulators. Um, can you just give us a bit of a sense of um, any international collaboration between um, regulators on this issue? Yes, of course. So uh, fairly recently, the International Association of Insurance Supervisors published a paper on insurer culture. Now, that association is made up of regulators and supervisors from around 200 jurisdictions. And what that paper considers is the relationship between culture, the management of prudential and conduct risks and the mitigation of misconduct. So a lot of the themes we've been discussing so far. I think its key message, the key message in that paper, is that an insurer's culture influences how effectively it delivers on critical outcomes relating to things like financial soundness, the interests of stakeholders, and the fair treatment of customers. And of course, that's pretty consistent with the messages we're hearing from the FCA on this issue. Looking forward, the association has indicated that it intends to conduct some further work focused on how insurers' approaches to issues of diversity and inclusion can influence their overall culture. So given the focus 
of regulators and supervisors on this issue, Holly. What can insurance firms do to address FCA concerns about culture? I think really, Tom, it's about proactively engaging with the FCA's framework on this issue. And the starting point for that is very much the four drivers of culture that I mentioned at the top. So purpose, leadership, incentivization and governance. I think insurers should be asking themselves whether those four drivers are operating effectively to create good culture and to mitigate the risk of harm to customers and others, or whether improvement in certain areas is required. And I think, sadly, that's not something that is easy to do, certainly not something that can be done overnight. Uh, and we know that a lot, of, a lot of clients struggle with this. I think insurers really need to be um, identifying what qualitative and quantitative data they have to measure their culture. So that might range from things like employee surveys or exit interviews through to the approach to remuneration and affirm stated values through to board diversity, through to whistleblowing statistics, attrition rates and SMCR breaches. And I, and I could go on. But I think even when you've got the data, you then need to be able to analyze that data in a way that draws out meaningful insights and identifies trends. So, for example, a team which is high performing and very well rewarded where there's a low level of diversity and a disproportionately high attrition rate and possibly conduct rule breaches or grievances or litigation. You know, those are real insights that can tell you a lot about an organisation and the, and the problems that potentially lie down the line. So I think what we've done at Simmons & Simmons is developed a, a culture dashboard that seeks to draw those data points together to provide those insights to clients and have been speaking to a number of insurance clients in particular about how it can be used to measure culture within those firms. So if that's something you're interested in, please do get in touch. Thanks, Holly. And I have to admit, getting that governance piece right, we know is um, absolutely key. Um, well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts. Um, I hope our listeners have found this uh, interesting and we'll obviously keep you abreast of uh, further developments as they come.